You are listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, a place where child life professionals share their real and honest stories with host and certified child life specialist, Allie Jones. The Association of Child Life Professionals specifically highlights a commitment to diversity as part of its mission, vision, and values. Clearly, diversity matters in the child life field. Today's podcast is called Enriching the Field with child life specialist guest Dora Castro Ahelen. Dora is a Latina child life coordinator at a nationally ranked hospital in the Chicagoland area and has worked exceptionally hard to get to where she is today. Now, here's this week's honest story. Okay, thank you all so much for listening. I am here with Dora. We're really excited today to talk more about diversity, and you have quite the story to share now becoming a child life leader in the field, so we're, we're really excited to hear from you today. I am very honored that you view me as such. I, I'm very happy to um, share my story. Thank you, Dora. Um, why don't you start by just telling us like where you're originally from and telling us a little bit about your background? So I am from Puerto Cortes, Honduras. Honduras is in the center of Central America. Mm -hmm. It's a very small country. And my uh, town where I grew up, it's in the coastal area. So it's by the sea. What ended up leading you to the US? So the school um, gave us, I will probably reference a lot my sister because it turned out that I had to repeat first grade because I did not do very well with the mm. English classes. I did very well with the Spanish classes, oh. but not enough to pass oh. first grade. And I'm older than my sister. So what ended up happening is that then both my sister and I were in first grade at the same time. Oh. And that was a game changer. I didn't feel us, you know, like excluded. I have always been very close to my sister. And we both started doing really well academically. My sister graduated um, first in her class and the entire school, and, and I was number two. So with the good grades, we qualified for some uh, financial um, benefit and scholarship. And then a teacher, and I remember he was from Connecticut, uh, Mr. Stanley. Mr. Stanley heard that our dad passed away when we were still in high school. And he had been a teacher of uh, ours for a couple of years. And when he heard that uh, my dad had passed away, and quite frankly, I didn't know whether we would be able to go to the university in the capital. We wanted to. I mean, both mm -hmm. my sister and I had this hope and belief that if we work really, really hard, that just maybe we could get a scholarship down the line. And we had a, somebody in our family who, whose story was that. You know, my mm -hmm. uncle, my mom's brother, was an excellent student. And at some point, he was offered by the German um, consulate and the Brazilian consulate the opportunity to study medicine. He chose Germany because he thought they were more advanced in the mm -hmm. medical field. And I, I didn't get to meet this uncle until much later in life. But I grew up hearing about him, and he became like a larger-than-life individual that, in some ways, the fact that we knew somebody had worked really hard, studied very hard, and was able to get a scholarship to continue its education, just gave us hope that maybe, just maybe, 
that could be true for both my sister and I. Wow, that's amazing to have that kind of inspiration and that hope through your family member. Yeah. That's amazing. So where did you end up going to school? Our counselors uh, recommended certain colleges and thought that maybe there was an opportunity that those colleges would sponsor um, or provide a scholarship to um, Honduran students, and they did. My sister went to a very um, nice liberal arts college in Maine, Bowdoin, and she studied biochemistry. I forget uh, what, no, it was biochemistry, her major. And I went to um, Trinity College, another very nice liberal arts college, and I did a double major in psychology and studio arts. Wow. So I... I don't know if I've ever heard that fact before, that that's what you studied. Yes. How in the world did you come to child life then? So at the point that I am in college, I'm thinking, well, maybe I can pursue a master's degree in psychology, or I like architecture. Well, I like art. I thought, well, that might be a good field to go to in architecture. But I had no idea that there was a field called art therapy. Mm. Back then, it was only after um, I was doing a fellowship with Amnesty International, and it brought me um, to Illinois, that I passed by the Adler School of Professional Psychology and went and checked out what programs they had, and they had art therapy. And I'm like, well, that kind of does it. It merges two fields of interest of mine. So I did that, and I started working as an art therapist at other hospital. And somebody who was um, very involved with Children's Memorial, as it was called back then, um, kept thinking, you know, you you really should work with kids. At the time, I wasn't working with kids. I was primarily servicing adults in in, in various inpatient. Uh, facilities. Mm. And this individual said, you know, I heard that the current tra- uh, art therapist is leaving, and and I think you sh- really should give it a try and go and apply for that position. So I did. And, uh, and I thankfully got the job. And when I got the job, I learned a little bit more about fellow child life specialists that were working there. And I wanted to be able to support kids as a child life specialist, not just as an art therapist. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, and back then also, the council was different as to how they, um, you became, you could become certified. I was already a licensed clinical professional counselor by then, and I had other certifications, but um, to get the child life certification, I needed to be under the supervision of a current certified child life specialist. So in at the time, one of the options for me was to do it that way and not necessarily having to do an internship, which honestly, I feel like that would have been fantastic. But it was almost like you are entering for some period of time and it's still the same amount of hours that back then were required to become um, certified. So I was very blessed to have one of the people that actually had done the research for the children in hospitalized, and I, I, I might not be saying the title correctly, but that one 
um, she was one of the people that kind of did the research with that. Wow. Which, and she's super humble and never mm-hmm. kind of mentioned. And I'm like, are you kidding? And it was during the time that she was not married, you know, and now she's married. She was fabulous. She was my mentor. And I was able to sit for the exam, passed it at that time, mm-hmm. and then continue at, at the hospital working, kind of like part Part of my hours were art therapy type of work, and the other one was prepping kids in the cardiology unit, helping with that, or respiratory. But honestly, that's how I entered the field of child life. Wow. Listening to that, Dora, it's amazing to hear all the determination that you had and that you were so focused on obtaining different things. and were really like there was nothing that was too high for you to reach. I mean, like you worked so hard to obtain an an art therapy license and counseling. I mean, all of those things are amazing given just what you've had to push through to get here. That's that's really amazing. You know, I think it speaks to my desire to be marketable, to want to be employed. Mm. There is something about having that sense of security of knowing that I can earn money and I can pay for the things that I need. And I felt that if I had different things, then just maybe people might look at me, you know, or decide to take a chance with somebody that might have certain skill set that is attractive to them, even if something else might not happen. But it's a survival type of type of mentality, I think. Mm. You know, like it was that sense of I can risk not being able to help support myself. So I think that that, that mm. is part of it. I think the idea that no matter who you are, if you work hard, that there might be opportunities um, in your future. I think that my, my, both my dad and my mom play a role in that. I think that my mom many times chose to spend money on books versus other things just to support us. Wow. That's amazing. Like, she sounds like an amazing woman. Both of your parents in different aspects that they believed in you guys and believed that your circumstances don't define you. And I I just hear the way that that pushed you in so many ways to achieve and to not, not feel limited. I would culture. have to agree. That's yeah. that's really beautiful, Dora. Well, thank you. It kind of makes me emotional, too, yeah. just thinking about that. Right, right. So now you have become a child life specialist. Tell me about some of the ways that... Did you ever have moments of feeling like your background and your heritage and your culture shaped you as a child life specialist or influenced you? You kind of hut hit on a few of that, like your motivation and your drive, but... Any other ways that you felt unique for the field? I think that growing up, I I could connect to feeling different in some ways. Also wishing that I was treated in a manner that was respectful. So in some ways, I think about that, that no matter who you are, that it's the right thing to treat that person with a sense that you might be speaking to someone that later on might be assisting you 
in a manner that you had might never had thought about, but not to pass that judgment just because of the way that we might look or occur to people, you know. And I, I think that that helps me in how I approach others, you know. I have also a lot of gratitude because as much as it takes one's own determination to succeed, we don't succeed in a vacuum. I would not be talking to you right now without the support of so many people besides my immediate family. I mean, there are individuals that I will never get to thank them, and yet they made possible so much of what I feel is very rewarding in my life. Mm -hmm. And it comes from people of many different color, skin, gender, races, and all the gamut. You know, it, it does take truly a village to support, I don't know, to, to help each other. I think that it's that sense that without <clears throat> somebody else being there and having faith in you or doing something that just open up possibility that wasn't there, we wouldn't be here. That I personally am of the belief that there are <clears throat> more good people in this world than the ones that aren't. It's so neat to hear you talk about how there were people in your life that did come from other backgrounds themselves, and then that that was something that empowered you. and. And as you were mentioning, too, that that's even been something that's convicted you of how you work very hard to not um, be prejudiced or um, to, to think the best of people, no matter what their background or their race is. Can you tell me about a time, did you ever experience someone not treating you that way as a child life specialist? Yes. Um, thankfully, I have to say that for the most part, whether it's God always having me in situations where I feel more the love of others than the anger or the um, dislike uh, from other people. I feel like most of my life, I don't connect to being grossly mistreated. However, you know, like I'm in college and I met uh, the student that Little by little was asking me questions, but at some point he tells me, you know, you're not what I thought you would be. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, my parents tell me that a lot of Hispanics just steal and are into drugs and other stuff. Wow. And, you know, and he didn't mean it, I don't think, the way that I heard it. But it, it was like, wow, you know, like, that's what you see. When you see me, is somebody that you needed to be kind of guarded and not trusting. But then, obviously, you know, at some point he realized that I'm not that. But, you know, those are things that they hurt. Absolutely. Um, I met in my field, you know, families that I am helping to support and a dad that very much talks about people that are non-white in a very negative light. And an understanding too that no matter how somebody might view you, you have that ethical responsibility of 
providing the care to their loved one the way that you would to anybody else. I have kind of one concluding question before mm-hmm. we jump into our um, our closing. But as child life specialists specifically, what would be some advice that you would give to child life specialists, whether that be if they're white, black, Hispanic, you name it, um, how can we seek to be a, a child life community that supports one another, that uh, values diversity? Any advice that you would give and speak into that? You know, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about that, and I kind of try to approach um, things this way too, and that is be open-minded. Be willing to learn from somebody. You know, I might speak Spanish, and sometimes I've had the opportunity to meet someone from my my uh, birth country, Honduras, but most of the time I'm not meeting other Hondurans when I am working. But when I approach it as I might speak your language, but I still don't know some of the nuances of how you might communicate, which are, you know, are quite varied in the Latin American community, but also I don't know your story. And if I come from that standpoint that suspend judgment, have that person let you in with who they are, what they like, what their preferences are, and again, I, I do believe that no matter how somebody looks, treat them with that sense that you recognize that their life has worth and with dignity. And I feel that at times, even if you don't know how to say something in their language, but if they sense that you are trying and that you care, that sticks with people's heart Mm. and that makes a big difference you know they might not realize exactly what you did for them but they might recognize that when you were with them and you were trying that you made them feel value and I think that it's a great thing to do regardless of who you you know who you are meeting or who you are treating absolutely thank you so much for that wisdom Dora We're going to conclude, though, before you go, with our rapid five. Are you excited? I am a little bit nervous, but I think I can do it. So, rapid five, here we go. Five different questions um, involving short, brief answers. Number one, what is one thing not many people know about Honduras? I think people don't know how beautiful it is. I love that. I would love to go sometime. Oh, I have places to recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, how would you introduce yourself in Child Life Services in Spanish? Buenas, yo soy Dora uh, Castro-Hillen. Soy una de las especialistas de cuidado del niño hospitalizado. Estoy acá para saber cómo poderle ayudar. Mi departamento ayuda a los niños que están hospitalizados a través de enseñarles eh, los procedimientos que van a tener, explicarles lo que está pasando y ay- ayudarles a um, reducir la ansiedad y el nervio. Gracias. I recognize a few words from that. Awesome. Number three, what is your favorite food from Honduras that you eat on your lunch break? Well, when my mom is in town, that's when I get to eat um, Honduran 
food and I love just about anything that my mom can cook. I love her chicken stew. I love her flour tortillas. Um, there's very little that I would say no to from what my mom can cook. Unfortunately, I didn't learn some of those recipes. Oh, no. so. <laughs> well, let's yes. hope she can be in town and give you a good supply. Yes. Number four, what is one piece of advice you would give to a child life specialist working with a patient or family who doesn't speak English? I think definitely a good idea to call an interpreter, especially if you're looking to prepare for a procedure, to do some teaching of a diagnosis, you're going to need an interpreter to make sure that people are understanding what you're saying. Now, if it is to kind of just help them uh, feel more comfortable while in the hospital, I think a nice smile when you enter, um, showing the items that you are trying to provide and kind of checking in if the child is interested. That's the beauty of it, that through play, I think we have a universal language. Great advice. Number five, what are you most proud of about your story of coming to the U.S. and then becoming a leader in the child life field? I love hearing you say that, but there's a part of me that, you know, I do feel that in many ways I'm in a position of leadership, but leader is a heavy word. And I know that my style of leading is one where I hope to lead by example not by being necessarily authoritarian. I don't know if when people look at me, they see a leader, but I hope that they see somebody that is sincere, that it's interested in doing good, <laughs> more so than doing the things that are bad, <laughs> even though those might come by accident. But I think that um, I am proud that I can contribute positively in the life of others. And that is something that brings great joy to me. Thank you, Dora, so much for your humility and for your vulnerability in talking today and for, for sharing part of your story with us. It was an honor to have you a part of our Child Life Cooperative podcast. Thank you all to our listeners for listening to this podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can continue to be a part of the Child Life Cooperative community. And be sure to check out our Child Life Cooperative website at childlifecooperative.com. May we all lean into the mission of the Child Life Cooperative by learning through reflection, uniting for support, and equipping students to advance the child life profession. Thanks so much.